I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. We need counterweight. Get the blood bag down to Mad Max Tree Road one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 27, which begins with a final farewell to Ace and Nux's front tire. And it ends with Slit about to decapitate Max. Rounding out the week with us in some sort of cat bus monstrosity are Richard Dunham and Chieko Dunham from Studio Ghibli Minute. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us back. It's great to be here again. I was thinking about some of the fantastic things you see in Studio Ghibli movies, wondering more specifically about how they would fare in a post-apocalypse, which you will argue there are a fair amount of Studio Ghibli movies that are already in the post-apocalypse. Fair amount. But Mm. you also have stuff like the cat bust from My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah. Which would be an interesting thing to see. Be an interesting, like, metallic design to make, I guess, in this world. Oh, yeah. Like if, if you were wanted to evoke the cat bus with one of these vehicles, like how would you do it? Yeah. What would you would you just get like really thick exhaust pipes <laughs> Put it in the front? I think you'd wind up with something like the remember the rover in space 1999. Oh, you, yeah. Have you seen that? <laughs> Maybe something. Yeah. Something with like a lot of tires. On each side. Yeah. yeah. Start with a lot of tires, one set of tires for each set of legs, and then maybe do something out of the Dumb and Dumber movie where you cover it in fur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Totally. Where do we get that fur? We I don't think... talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like, I would say you wouldn't want it like felt or something like that, no. something soft. You know, taking the cue from Immortan Joe's mask of horse teeth, I think he would want like a lot of horse hair. Ooh. Like, make it like know, a like from the mane of the horse or like a horse tail. Like hair. a long haired cat bus. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that would look so luxurious. It would it's kind of like the offspring of the cat bus and gritty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, I hated that. I hated Giant that. Giant <laughs> googly eyes on the front rattling yeah. around because exactly. they're driving over. No one would hit us because yeah. they would be like, they're not serious. They're not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Now I just want fan art. Take all of the shows in the Movies by Minutes community and each one of them gets a post-apocalyptic vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be sick. <laughs> that would be so sick. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of Mystic Pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> or like the Goofy Movie Minute. Mm-hmm. There would be a go. Or a it, Talking Cat Movie Minute. Yeah. You'd have teams of people together. Like Mean Girls Minute would obviously have a school bus that's driving too fast. Oh, yeah. And then you combine the too fast school bus with the cat bus. And then you've got the Goofy Movie Minute with their station wagon piled high with <laughs> luggage and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but the luggage is in the shape of that arrow platform from Lord of the Rings Return of the King, like the <laughs> thing they drop down on the elephant. 
or the elephant, I guess it's called, or the Mumakil. I don't know what, I, I'm not brushed up on my Tolkien literature. Yeah, neither am I. Uh, yeah, I have no earthly idea. <laughs> I have no middle earthly idea. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Any sort of thing like that would be just excellent. Yes. Something that's decidedly of a different magnitude of excellence is how we start off minute 27 with Nux wildly swerving away from the assault by the war rig and... In the shock of the hit between the two vehicles, Ace drops away and he rolls around in the dust. So he's done. Goodbye, Ace. It was good while it lasted. But aside from seeing Ace being left behind in the dust, we also see sundry bits of Nux's front tire just shredding away because of the hit with the rear tires of the war rig. And it's not long before the only thing left of his tire is just a rim. Yeah, basically... (laughs) The tire blowing really emphasizes how soft the ground actually is. We've been operating under the idea that it's this extremely hard pack red earth. And I think it is. But when it meets this shredding tire and all of this resistance, it just falls to pieces. Mm -hmm. And that front tire area in general just digs into the ground. And it looks... Almost painful, so sluggish, like we're wading through mud mm-hmm. or pudding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or a room filled with goldfish. <laughs> oh my god, it's just goldfish dust. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Some of the crap that actually yeah. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this could be goldfish dust. <laughs> We've seriously brought up stuff from Thunderdome every day this week. Yeah. Yes, we yeah. have. <laughs> thought we finally got beyond that. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> I never realized how close um, Max was to the ground. Yeah. he was a lot higher. Yeah, his He's feet not. are right down there by the ground. So if he were to get a foot caught in the dirt. Probably rip his leg off. Yeah, he'd lose it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what part of him is going to get ripped off? Mm-hmm. Is it just his ankle? Like, his ankle down? Or is it like... Hip down. I think it could be, like, hip down. I guess it all depends on how quickly he can lift his feet up. Yeah. Yeah. He's already I, hanging by his armpits. I'm not sure that there's any way he could save himself if he were to get his foot swept up in that, the sludge that is the ground. Mm. There's a lot of multitasking he needs to do to, like, keep himself up. Yeah. He's in a really painful position. We yeah. haven't really talked about that, the position that he's in. We probably should, because this is the last opportunity that we're going to have to talk about him lashed to the front of this vehicle. More or less, he's in a crucifix position. And I remember back in my Sunday school days, we learned about the way that Jesus was hung on the cross and what that actually did to his body. And he wasn't the only one. They killed people that way all the time because it cuts off circulation to like the lower half of your body. And it's incredibly painful, and it's an incredibly slow death. Yeah. When the Romans affixed people to crosses, it wasn't that they were bleeding them to death. They were asphyxiating them. Eventually, the body just gets so tired of holding itself up that it loses the ability to flex that diaphragm, and you end up just suffocating, hanging there. And for Max, the one saving grace that he has is the fact that he is technically standing on a tiny little platform. Yes, because they're not trying to kill him. 
they're trying to keep him alive in the least effort needed way possible. That's horrible English, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like... <laughs> you got the idea across. <laughs> yeah. Like instead of keeping him in the car so that he's not hurt, he's outside and they can still see if he's okay, but they're not going to like get him inside. Mm-hmm. There's no way for him to fight back. Yeah. When he's strapped to the front of a vehicle. Right. Which he would if he were inside. In oh, way. absolutely. Yeah. The moment that Max has the opportunity to fight back, he is going to fight back. Just wait until Slit gets the slightest bit distracted, Ooh, and yeah. we'll see it happen. Not today. That's coming next week, unfortunately, for you guys, but just know that it is coming. Yeah. <laughs> Sit tight. We cut inside of the car real quick to see Nux's reaction to him losing a tire, and in my notes, I said that it's a look of concern, but upon repeated viewing, I would almost say that he looks sad, maybe like puppy dog eyes sad. Yeah. I see the shot and I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's got that whole, oh, that's not good. Yeah, he's like, oh, my car. I've been using this for a long time. No. It looks like a puppy that just got kicked. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh. <laughs> and, oh, the things that it is doing to that car, just the way it's lurching and rattling around, really killing that forward momentum. Poor car. Of course, up in the war rig, things are quite different. Furiosa is there behind the wheel. She's got her handgun there. It's a Taurus PT-99AF, but it's got this nice little glob of blood on the end of it. Yeah. And she's focused ahead at the road, or at least she is until she gets blindsided by the Monaro that had the flamethrower mounted on the back of it. It's totally from left field. <laughs> I get the sense that these war boys don't use this flamethrower often because they are using it very haphazardly. And when Furiosa sideswipes them as they're swerving away, it almost looks like the war boy in the back has caught himself on fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're definitely right. Yeah. They're not good at like pointing it away when towards the wind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like Jim Croce said. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't shoot your flamethrower into the wind. <laughs> that is the words to the song, right? I'm not getting that wrong. I think I that's know, It's right. been a yeah. while. Yeah. <laughs> the flame gives us a, a chance to look at the roof of the cab in the mm. uh, in the war rig. What is that design? It's like a bunch of like stamped steering wheels. The folks who decorated the inside of the war rig... They covered the entire ceiling of the cab with tiny little Immortan Joe emblems. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, so those... it's like a pressed tin roof, right? Yeah, exactly. With the flaming steering wheel logo on it. Mm. Yeah, I love pressed tin roofs or ceilings or whatever they are. They look classy. You know what I mean? They Yes, I do. Yeah. Where else have you seen? <laughs> I mean, not ceiling. that specific pattern, but like older buildings. Like there's a barber shop that okay. I go to sometimes when I feel like waiting for an hour and a half for a haircut that has a pressed tin ceiling. And it's just a really good atmosphere. It's just they have three, four chairs open at a time. And if you're not there right when they open, the place fills up really quick. So you get to sit and admire the pressed tin roof. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a lot of pressed tin ceilings. Yeah, I don't... I would have seen one. 
What part of the country are you from? We're in near Chicago. Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised. I, I would think there's... they're really big in Chicago. Well, you got to remember, Chicago burnt, burnt down, down at one point. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we yeah. had a great fire at some yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, there is one building downtown which has like a uh, gold foil ceiling. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. Like the Burnham building. Yeah, I think the only time I think of like seeing a tin press ceiling is like a pretentious coffee shop. (laughs) 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 I don't know if that makes sense. Well, that's what New England is like. Yeah. (laughs) It's all just pretentious coffee shops. (laughs) It's got like a cool name that's like also the name for an indie band, maybe. (laughs) Like you're not sure. (laughs) Do you think there's an espresso machine on the war rig? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> they've got, you know, they've got the steamed milk. <laughs> they do. You know, whip up a quick espresso, a little yeah, latte. A little latte, yeah. Just the last thing on the press tin ceilings. I definitely had to look up when they were popular back in the day because I really hadn't the faintest idea. They were popular in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. Oh. So you're not going to see them out west. That's true. Like at all. They're just going to be, I would think, kind of like from Chicago East. Mm. Yeah, probably. Sounds right. And I would think they're distinctly Northern yeah. as opposed to Southern. Like, I don't think you're going to find any in even Virginia. Well, yeah. Northeast. It's the cool part of the country. <laughs> oh, sure. <Right. laughs> I mean, we did just win the Super Bowl, so. Yeah. As we're know. recording this, the big game just happened. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know it's yeah, Nux has the same ceiling in his in the cab of his car, actually. Yeah, it seems to be the popular motif when it comes to decorating the inside of a vehicle. And I have to wonder if there's one person specifically at the Citadel that is sitting there with a iron punch stamp thing and is just slowly banging out emblems into ceiling panels just day in and day out. Well, I would think it's the same guy who does the branding, because how often do they have a new person to brand? That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. Could it possibly be more than one or two people per day? Absolutely not. So he's got to keep busy with the rest of his time. Mm-hmm. You know, they just had like a bunch of them. They've just got like a back room filled with the stuff. They just have to find some use for. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we've gotten the sense before that Nux was responsible for some of the decoration of his vehicle. He takes ownership of his vehicle. And we believe that he also designed his own steering wheel. Is that correct? We know Furiosa did her own steering wheel. I think so. Kind of a lightsaber type situation. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that there is, yeah, a pile of the stuff to put in the ceiling. And people who are decorating their stuff can take from it. I don't know. I saw like the emblem on the ceiling is like... In Morton Joe, like, always watching. It's kind of like a Big Brother thing. I don't know. Yeah. More like a stamp of ownership for the vehicle as well as the people. They yeah. have their stamp of ownership. Yeah. Like, yeah. your car has the insignia not only of the make and model of the car, but often, if you buy it used, often also has the insignia of the dealership you bought it from. Sure. Yeah. The Nux car is pulling terribly because of that blown out tire and the rim that it's left driving on. And so Nux calls out to Slit that they need counterweight and that Slit needs to get the blood bag down the back. Basically, put him on the opposite end of the car as that blown out tire so that they can hopefully balance things out and keep driving on three wheels. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a good plan. It is. Okay. It's smart. That, now that you've explained it, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. They would drive on three wheels. I don't know. It did make sense when I was watching it, how balancing it out would fix a crushed wheel. But okay, but if they're going to try to drive on three wheels, okay, good luck. Yeah. It's like when you go to the grocery store and one of the wheels on your shopping cart are really janky. And so if you sort of stick to the opposite end of the shopping cart and lean on it, you might be able to lift that wheel up off the ground. Yeah. And long roll. enough to go trade it for a different shopping cart. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> that would be the easier option than doing anything like what I suggested. <laughs> but <laughs> but Nux doesn't have that option. He's stuck with that shopping cart. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> sad, Rick. <laughs> well, that was... Sounded so be- defeated. Just because my analogy falls apart in a society where there are hundreds of shopping carts and you can just get a different one instead of suffering with the one that you picked up. Listen, there are times where I've suffered with a shopping cart because I don't want to admit to the people around me that I am bad at picking out shopping carts. This (laughs) is the one that I've chosen, so I'm going to stick with it, damn it. Sometimes the wheel doesn't go janky until like you've got a half full cart, too. Yeah. Yeah. Until you're going down an aisle and... The lady with the prosthetic arm and the shaved head goes and sideswipes you. <laughs> then the wheel starts going janky. And you got to move your jug of milk from the front of your cart to the back of your cart. Yeah. Yeah. And you're plowing into the, you know, the spilled bag of uh, goldfish crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just dusty because it's all cracked up. Uh, as we say in the uh, theater department, the show must go on. <laughs> <laughs> So Slip, because as I said before, is pretty much a spider monkey, he clambers over to the front of the car where Max is tied up, and he undoes the pin that's holding Max's wrists in place. We see a good shot of his abdomen, Mm -hmm. which I was talking about on Monday. We do, and it looks really bad. Just super janky. Yeah. Yes. It looks like there's like about four places that look like kind of like post-op plugs were put in. Like after operations, I don't know. They almost look like like plastic staples or something. Or yeah. Mm-hmm. But then on on his left side, there's this whole. It looks almost like a mural. It looks very decorative to me. I think there are both decorative column tattoos, but they're not really it's more scarification. Yeah. And also, he's got these. I think it's debatable whether they are battle wounds or surgical wounds whether the surgical wounds be experimental or practical i think it could go either way tumor removal or Mm -hmm. you know they uh maybe he's he's had his gallbladder out like that (laughs) yeah i like to think that he's uh been slashed in some way either he was sparring with another war boy or he was off on a supply run or something like that and had to go toe-to-toe with someone and instead of letting him bleed out they used these giant metal band-looking things to try and pinch those wounds closed. I imagine there's also a lot of just kind of workplace injury. (laughs) You know, because most of the equipment that they deal with uh, is probably not up to safety standards. (laughs) If there are any at this point. (laughs) I don't think they have a lot of safety measures in place. And there's, you can see like the same type of it looks decorative, like the scarification on his arm as well, like his his forearm. 
Yeah. So it moves as he has, undoes those shackles. As soon as the pin in the shackle is released, like Max, I take it as a look of relief. Like, ah. Mm. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And it's not just the look. The music also does a weird thing. It seems to be building and building. And then as soon as that pin comes out, there's like a audible sigh, like a ah type of thing. Yeah, and he looks he looks like up to the sky. Like, thank you. Thank God. <laughs> He's also, I think, stealing himself for the opportunity that he has been given to escape. Yeah. It's the look to me says, Oh, it's on now. <laughs> He's yeah. a step closer like, to Oh, you made a mistake. <laughs> These things were the only thing keeping me here. Also interpreted it as, oh, there's a pin. <laughs> On the like other side. Oh, <laughs> he made it look so easy. <laughs> I could have been out of this twenty minutes ago. <laughs> we get a quick cut back to the fleet, and there is an Imperator standing up on top of the Giga Horse, and he is shouting out something. Now the subtitles say that he is shouting, "Hunt them down! Hunt them down!" But in the shot, as it goes, all of the vehicles start to fall in line behind the doof wagon. So I think what he's actually saying, and what I think it sounds more like, is that he's shouting, hunker down. Okay. Mm. It just makes a little bit more sense to me. And I thought for a moment how weird the word hunker is. And so I looked it up, and apparently the etymology of it is that it's from the early 1700s with the root word being hunk, perhaps nasalized variant of huck or haunch, very akin to the Old Norse word hoka, which means to crouch. Mm. I just always got a kick out of the phrase hunker down, and I thought it was always a mispronunciation of the word bunker down, like get get low and fortify yourself, but... Mm. It's more like hunch over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm a fan of the phrase hunker down. I like the way it feels in my mouth. Yeah. But I never separated the two words and thought, huh, hunker is a weird sounding word. Because you're right. When you say it all by itself, it's a weird sounding word. <laughs> yeah, hunker. Yeah. And the order to hunker down makes sense because they are about to drive through a sandstorm. And if you can take all your vehicles and put them in a closer formation, it makes more sense. There's less likelihood that they're going to be scattered and lost. As they're trying to press through the storm. Yeah. And if they all kind of rally around the doof wagon, which is the largest, the loudest, it also has a lot of flamage abilities. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest marker for being the center of the group that they have. Yeah, but if you're in a line, like you say, you, you only need to pay, you know, try to keep the person in front of you in sight. Mm hmm. Yeah, and if the guy in front of you is also the tallest vehicle. Yeah around i imagine that the doof wagon is actually going to punch a hole in the wind yes but i think probably only for the first maybe the second person in line yeah because air is a fluid and it flows around things yeah so the person right behind him can is it called drifting right and gain some relief but that effect isn't going to last as we zoom in on the the doof wagon it it looks a lot in this shot it looks like a sailing ship Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, that gimbal that extends up and over the speaker wall that the Doof Warrior actually hangs from, it sort of looks like a ship's mast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. Once you've made that connection, you can kind of see the speakers as 
unfurled sails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the different layers and levels and shapes of sails. Yeah. We get a quick peek back inside the Giga Horse where Joe is driving and his compass starts spinning. It's no longer pointing due north. It is just twirling one way, twirling the other. It's a bit of a preview for just how much electrical activity is happening inside of this storm. Yeah, we did see a couple like lightning flashes, I guess last minute, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, yes, yeah. we did. We did. So it's about to get real. Yeah, I loved all of the car names on the Giga Horses dashboard. Whatever car they found, they pried off the emblem and then they put it there on the dash. I love pointing out to people, this is another one of those shots where you can see you've got a Morton Joe, you've got his steering wheel, you've got the dashboard, and right on the dashboard in front of a Morton Joe is one of the old police officer badges from the first movie. I noticed that. I noticed there was like a like a star shield. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I noticed was that uh, Miss Kitty is wearing like a gingham dress, or at least shoulder straps. Yes, she is. Very much kind of like a play on the old farmhouse wife. Very much a caretaker. Right. Yeah. I also like how Joe's answer to the misbehaving compass is to just smack it a few times. Because if something stops working, you just kind of bat it around and he can't turn it off and turn it back on. So you have to be aggressive with it. Yeah. Yeah. That says a lot about how he treats things that he perceives as objects he owns. Just be aggressive. Yeah. Just (laughs) slap it around a little. Anytime a pen of mine doesn't work, I like scream at it and I threaten to throw it away and then it starts working. (laughs) That's something my mom taught me as a kid and I was like, okay. (laughs) Joe's biggest problem is that he perceives people as objects, so he treats them the same way. So yeah, like we said before, Joe is a bad guy for that reason. And when he smacks around literal objects that are not people, okay, yeah. That's one thing. Not a big fan of him when he does it to actual folks, though. Yeah. We cut back to the next car, and Slit has pulled Max off of the little perch there, and he gives it one big old yank on that chain, and Max flies into the windshield. And for the second time in two weeks here, we get our main characters looking each other in the eye for the first time. Last week, we saw Max and Furiosa lock eyes. This time around, it's Max and Nux, who have, despite being attached literally by a chain, they never really looked at each other because one was lashed to the front of the car and the other one just saw the other as a blood bag. But here, Max looks through that windshield straight into Nux's eyes and Nux almost looks confused. Like, blood bag, are you trying to be a real person? He's got that same puppy dog eye look. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, like... I guess he started out being kind of like a a puppy dog, like an underdog. Character. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of got the seed of audience sympathy (laughs) from the get-go. Yeah. He also has very nice blue eyes. I don't know. That's something that struck me, and I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and those blue eyes have a way of reaching out from behind whatever facade he's got on his face. Yeah. Be it painted white or... The scarring all over his lips. The black nose is starting to peek through the paint. But his eyes that humanize him make it through all of that. Yeah. Like, none of 
the black nose, the chaplets, like, don't bother me. I only can pay attention to his eyes. Everything else is, like, blocked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this quick little interaction between Max and Nux, it doesn't last long because Slit gives another big pull on the chain and Max flops up onto the top ah. roof of the car. And while Slit is dealing with Max, we get a short little thing of Furiosa putting on her face mask and raising her goggles because she's driving into the sandstorm. That kind of rapid close-up of somebody leaning forward at the steering wheel is almost like a cliche shot for this franchise, but yeah, I love it. I love it every time I see it. <laughs> you definitely feel the intensity stealing herself for what's about to happen and yeah, it is a bit cliche, but it serves its purpose. Yeah. It's a good way to say, yes, I am driving already, but I'm going to drive just that little extra bit. It's like... Faster, more intense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's turning things up to 11. Yeah. When they just need that little bit more. But as Furiosa drives into the sandstorm proper, the Monaro is able to go into the storm, but... The war boys on the motorcycle that are chasing her, they seem to hit the edge of that storm and just immediately get thrown off of their motorcycle. Yeah, they hit it pretty hard. So that was off the motorcycle? Oh, yeah, I see that. At first glance, I thought it was the war boys who were still on the rig. But no, yeah, it was definitely the motorcycle. Everyone yeah. else held on. We're never explicitly shown exactly what's happening to the war boys on the war rig. All we know is that they existed on Monday, <laughs> and uh -huh. by the end of the storm sequence, they're not going to be here anymore. Okay, so we'll have to pay very close attention and see if we get any kind of clues. Yeah. <laughs> they're essentially the 90s sitcom characters that get written off the show in between episodes and are never seen or heard from again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Yep. laughs> yeah. That's right. I like that. When that war boy kind of blows back toward the camera, at the end of that shot, there's still like a couple specks of stuff that has remained on the camera lens. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of provide the kind of like, you are there kind of feel. Mm -hmm. It does make it feel more realistic. Because as was mentioned on Wednesday, this storm, we know that this is not a practical effect. We know that this sort of thing on this scale and this intensity doesn't happen on our planet. We know this is fake. So to add this little tiny something that makes us feel like we are actually there helps to recover that obviousness yeah. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's a good little point. something something. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll be entering that sandstorm next week because before we get to it, we find Slit and Max up on the roof of the car. And I don't know where he got this thing. But Slit somehow has, I think they're called punching daggers, but it's this blade extending out from his hand. Oh my god, yeah. And then the handle goes through his clenched fist, and he's shouting down at Max, hey head, say bye bye to the neck, and then he punctuates that with decapito, which yeah. seems like a <laughs> weird Harry Potter spell. <laughs> it, does. it does. It sounds like I, he's casting a spell. I looked at the outline and I read decapito like very like... Quickly, and I thought it said Despacito, and I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh, that's great. I don't understand the logic of Decapitating. Why, why is that a thing that he wants to do? 
I don't really know. My best guess is that once they enter the storm, Max becomes a liability. Ooh. Which, honestly, he's been a liability this whole time, mm-hmm. but his usefulness as a blood bag has outweighed that. They are about to go into a situation not of this world. This is going to be insane, and most people are going to die in there, and everybody knows that. So Slit wants to increase his own chances of surviving at the cost of Max's head, and he is fine with that. I think you will find that a body without a head will fight back less and than a body that almost as headed. much balance. Yeah, <laughs> it's just balanced. a thought. Yeah. You keep ninety-five percent of the total weight, but you lose a hundred percent of the trouble. Sounds like a deal. Yeah, I guess. I mean, to uh, Julia's point, yeah, we see in the future here. We see Nux ready to give it all up in a few minutes. So yeah. I guess that makes sense that, well, this is a good day to die, right? <laughs> there's there's no reason to keep this guy around. Yeah. We keep talking about all the things that the war boys resemble, and sometimes it's just too perfect to line them up with Klingons. <laughs> yeah. Today's a good day to die. <laughs> nice. So whatever sort of revelry slit is going through he gets interrupted by nux we get the first part of a line nux shouts we're going in and we don't get to hear the rest of it but here at the end of the week richard and chieko thank you so much for joining us no problem this is a lot of fun yeah thanks for having us where can people go to hear more of your stuff well ghibli minute is on itunes it's also on Google Play, Stitcher, a bunch of other places. Or you can go to our website, ghibliminute.com. That's G-H-I-B-L-I minute.com. No hyphens. And to uh, catch up on what we're doing. We're also on Twitter, at Ghibli Minute. And we're on Facebook. Just search for Ghibli Minute. Mm-hmm. So go out, subscribe to that. If you listen to a week's worth of content... And it sounds really depressing. We're so sorry. <laughs> Wait until the next Monday comes around. It'll get more bright and cheery. That's right. And on the other hand, if you listen to a week and it's all like whimsical and magical with childlike wonder and all that other stuff, wait a week and, you know, that'll gonna... change too. Unless you want to hear about like the lifestyle of World War II Japan. It's, yeah. it's the only reason why maybe you would listen to... The sad week in between the happy ones. <laughs> Never downplay the importance of depressing historical media. Yes. Because, gosh darn it, it sucks, but it's important. It is. It is, yeah. It is. So be there for it. As for us, we hope you will be here with us when we come back on Monday, because Slit is going to get the boot, Nux is going to enter the sandstorm, and, uh, well, convenient lightning will be convenient. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 27 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.